Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. <sighs> on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. I don't know what this is a sign of, but I got to loosen my pants it to looks sit like, in this looks chair. Like too much pumpkin pie. <laughs> pecan. Oh, pecan yeah. pie. Oh, at Romero household is turkey and pecans and oh. stuffing. And have you ever had a turducken? I, you know, I only know mm. about it from John Madden. Oh, it's man. a turkey that's got a. It's boneless, right? And you've got a duck shoved inside of it that's boneless, and a chicken shoved inside of it that's boneless, and then you pump it full of crawfish or <laughs> stuffing, and you just slice it. So when you've got this slice of meat on your plate, it's a turkey and a duck and a chicken all together, just full of dressing. It's a Cajun delicacy, and it's always served at Thanksgiving time at the Romero household, of course, with your deep fried turkey that's boiled it. 325 degrees in oil, peanut oil, for three and a half minutes. and How do the neighbors oh. feel about all that, you know, turkey scent in the air? Aroma. 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 The they usually come in with their plates going, yeah, I'll try that. <laughs> so as we're sitting around here on Saturday after Thanksgiving, recovering from our trip to Fane Coma, mm-hmm. we thought, who better to have on this Saturday's broadcast of Rosie on the House? Than the Arizona Highways editor, because we've got plenty of time to sit. Yeah, it's a good. And instead good. of staring at the walls, <laughs> we stare at some incredible imagery. And this coming month, December's edition of Arizona Highway, we have Robert Steve joining us. And before we get to the contents of the pictures and the stories behind the pictures, let's talk about the man who took a lot of these pictures in December's edition. Yeah, we've uh, dedicated our, our December issue to um, uh, the late Senator Barry Goldwater, who, you know, all your listeners, you know, know about his history in terms of uh, his, his run for the presidency and his many terms in office as and, a senator. And, and maybe we don't. Let's maybe talk, we don't. Maybe right. we don't. Let's talk a little bit about that leading up to uh, just just some highlights of his career points. You had mentioned Senator. Yeah, he, you know, I mean, going way back, his family um, came to Arizona uh, generations before he was born, um, and they were in the, the mercantile business and had, um, you know, stores around the state. Um, so, so Barry kind of grew up in a family that was, you know, really a pioneer family here in Arizona. And, and, uh, and by he, the way, I'm going to call him Barry because— he would not like to be referred to as Mr. Goldwater. I've had several conversations with his uh, family and, in fact, asked them when we were putting this issue together, do I, should I call him Mr. Goldwater throughout? And they, you know, how would he feel about it? And they, they gave me one of those looks like, uh, no, he'd, he'd want to be Barry. So. Are you just trying to summons him out of his grave to come haunt you? <laughs> call him Barry. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be a coup for your show this morning? Um, so, you know, so he, he, he was a part of Arizona before it was even a state. Barry was born um, a couple of years before Arizona gained statehood. And, and you know, what I, what I know about Barry is that his mother in particular was very adventurous. And, and Barry had uh, two siblings. And, and, and his mother would take these three kids out on all these adventures, I think, you know, Dad was busy running the the department store, and eventually did you know become Goldwater's department store, which which a lot of people in the valley will remember. 
Um, but uh, his his mother in particular was a great influence uh, on on the young man as as it relates to to getting him out into the outdoors, uh, introducing him not just to the landscape and and the you know the wilderness of Arizona, but also its people. And so he grew up very early on with a with an appreciation for Arizona's people and and landscape. And this mercantile business that they had was it where in the Arizona was it or was it all over the state? You know the first uh, the first uh, location I believe was along the Colorado River actually in the western part of the state, um, and then they eventually had stores in um, you know Prescott and. And like any business, it, it grew and, and eventually became a very, very uh, popular um, uh, department store throughout Arizona. So growing up in Arizona, this is a time when the population of the state was less than the town of Tempe. Right. Selling mercantile goods. Mm-hmm. Joins the Army. He did join the Army. Fights in both World War Two and in Korean War. I mean, I don't know what— if engaged battles but i know he was in the service during both of those engagements Mm -hmm. comes back to arizona and decides i'm gonna run for political office because i i have no idea what leads this sense of adventure to an isolation inside congress falls (laughs) well i I actually i actually know the answer to that and you're right he he did uh he he was a veteran and 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 was a pilot and um and uh, had had you know won all kinds of medals for for his uh, valor in in in, in overseas uh, situations. But what happened with him in terms of getting into politics in 1940, he um, along with Nevels, who was a famous uh, river runner up in the Colorado uh, River, Norman Nevels, um, Barry went along with him, and they retraced uh, John Wesley Powell's trip down the Green and Colorado Rivers. And it was a long trip. You know, today we take a trip and it's 21 days and we think it's a long time. This was a very long trip back in that that era. And they actually had to build their own boats. And and Barry was very hands-on. And and he had young kids at home. And, um, you know, he, he, you know, was hesitant to leave them. but, But this was sort of a lifelong dream that he had had. And he was still a young man at that point. But so... In the process of making this this long trip down the river, he took along a, a, a motion picture camera. And, you know, the Cole brothers from up the Grand Canyon, famous for their video that they made in the early, you know, 1900s, a black and white film, which you can you can still see. Um, when Barry went down, he actually made a color film of that that trip. And so and he, the year again, we're in the this 40s, 1940. Your camera isn't your five ounce cell phone. No, no. That it will record probably. 10 times more in minutes yeah. than all the reels that they're carrying that weighed. You, you talk about building your own boat. You probably had your separate boat just for the camera equipment. Well, you know, and you have to think about, too, is, you know, how did they waterproof that? And it was, you know, they, they didn't have the high-tech, you know, materials that we have today to protect all that gear. So he made this this movie, and, you know, fast forward, you know, a month or two or a year later, and so he started barnstorming the state, going around showing this video just because he was passionate about it. And he thought, wow, this is really cool. And so he'd go all over the place. He'd go to Wickenburg and he'd go up to Williams and he'd go down to Bisbee and, and essentially do a talk where he'd play, play this motion picture and talk about the river. And he had such great reception from, from people all over uh, Arizona that that's when the light bulb went off that he thought, wow, maybe I could become a politician. And 
and you know he he saw that and you know if you look at the ba- look at the back of the magazine you know Romy I mean this this guy is the Marlboro man you know so he's this he's this handsome man you know this he's Indiana Jones right and so very well received around the state and that is actually what what led him into politics and um, and he leapt up pretty quickly. I mean, he started out in city council, but he, he became a senator very quickly and, and ran for president. And, um, and then when, uh, when he, f- he lost that bid for the, the election, he was out of office for a while, and then he ran again for Senate uh, the next time that, that seat was open and, and won that seat back and, and continued to serve uh, the country and the citizens of Arizona for, for a long time. And in December's edition of Arizona Highways, there's a quote that is in his biography section that talks about his statement after the loss of the election. Mm-hmm. I love it. He, he says, I've got heaven to come home to. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has. Yes. Talking about coming home to Arizona. Yeah, I you know, there, you, you know that's great that you noticed that, and that's a, there's a reason we— we pulled that quote out and, and, and highlighted it in that issue because, yeah, we thought the same thing. It's, it really speaks volumes about how beautiful our state is. And, and, and right, if, if you're going to lose an election, you have to go back to another state, go back home. At least you get to come home to Arizona. So where did he find time to take hundreds of thousands of pictures in all of this uh, adventure and military career and politics i mean were these pictures at a very condensed time frame or was he just somebody that carried his camera constantly and these 15,000 amassed over his long life just gradually you know that's a good question and and in a a large um percentage of the photos were taken in the 1930s and the 1940s before he you know really got into the politics and and he you know when you would listen to interviews with him or read in his books that you know he he did sort of uh, not regretted being in Washington, but he didn't have the ability to to go out and make photographs. Uh, one of his his daughter Allison told me that he actually used the bathroom in his where he lived in Washington was his dark room for a while. But he he uh, quickly quickly realized that that wasn't really a practical way to live. So um, so he tried, and and you know, and 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 in this issue. You know, which I know we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, most of the photos in here are from Arizona, but you know, he he went all over the world, and made photographs, and and he made photographs of of all kinds of you know famous people that that crossed his path along the way. So, to to your question, you know, Romy, he he did run out of time a little bit, and there are stories about you know things that he wanted to go shoot, and he thought he'd get to it this year, and then maybe next year, and sometimes it'd be five years later where he'd finally go back and and photograph that arch that he, he saw in the Grand Canyon or whatever the case might have been. So, you know, uh, being a senator, uh, as you can imagine, and, and is a time-consuming, time-demanding profession. But uh, he, he's, he never put his camera down. You read through the bio, and in just the magazine, well, you got six or seven pages de- designated to it, but in just those few amount of pages, you realize this isn't somebody mm-hmm. that wasted his time. No, he was, um, and he was passionate about things too, you know, um, whether family first and foremost, he was, you know, a, very much a family man and, and that was the most important thing to him in Arizona, 
and all of its citizens were were you know in a, his extended family and and the and the nature too. And but he he didn't do anything halfway. He was uh, he was all in. That's for sure. We're talking with Robert Steve, the editor of Arizona Highways. Their December edition is a very special edition. We'll talk about all the contents. If you haven't got your copy yet, they're on newsstands now at uh, grocery stores. Everywhere, right? Everywhere you can find a magazine, we're going to be there. It's the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Rolling through this hour with Arizona Highways editor Robert Steve talking about December's edition of Arizona Highway Magazine. Y'all covered specifically the photograph career of Barry Goldwater. I I had no idea he was a photographer until two weeks ago when this hit my mailbox. <laughs> you know, and that's that's part of the reason we do it too, Romy, is because, you know, he's, you know, understandably, you know, known around the world for, for his role in, in, in the Senate and, and running for president. But, um, you know, one of his great passions was was photography, his, his uh, first uh, camera real camera his his wife got him as a christmas present to the first year they were married and um he never really looked back and you know as it relates to arizona highways uh, the first photograph we ever published uh, by barry goldwater was in 1938 and our magazine prior to that was was basically a road engineered journal so there were stories that's why we're called arizona highways it was a a trade journal for road engineers and so a lot of the stories were literally about how to build roads and the latest you know innovations in asphalt and culverts and guardrails and things like that and in around 1938 is when uh editor raymond carlson uh took the magazine and sort of turned it inside out and started looking for for great photographs and and great stories and, you know, because if you think about it, there was no Internet, obviously. There wasn't even television. So Arizona was way out there. And um, so it was an opportunity to showcase other things in the state beyond our really great roads, which we're proud of. But um, And so there weren't a lot of photographers either. I mean, cameras were expensive. Um, processing film is expensive. And so... Um, when when Mr. Carlson, our editor, started you know looking around for stuff, Barry Goldwater is one of the the guys that that he went to, and the very first photograph we ever uh, published was a, a place called Coal Mine Canyon up in nor- northern Arizona, and and Raymond Carlson you know said to Barry, hey, you wouldn't happen to have a photograph of that, would you? And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do, and that was how it all began. And then, you know, here we are 80 years later, literally, and we're still running photographs by Barry Goldwater. Over his career, 15,000-plus mm-hmm. photographs. Where are all these photographs now? I'm, other than how many do you have in December's edition, about 100? Yeah, right. So that's a great question. So um, his images are in a few different places. The Center for Creative Photography down at the University of Arizona has a has a a chunk of his 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 archive, uh, the Hayden Library at Arizona State, the Heard Museum um, in Phoenix, and then the family uh, has has a lot of his images as well. And and one of the the challenges of all that, regardless of where those images live, is that film deteriorates over time, and and those fifteen thousand images are at risk of of going away forever. And and that that's that's a, a unfortunate thing for any photography, but it's even more so with with Barry Goldwater's photographs because, again, going back to the 30s and 40s, the things that he was making photographs of, um, getting into the the Navajo Nation and and being with the Hopi people and the Apache people, he photographed things that 
others had really never had the, the privilege or opportunity to, to make photographs of. So they're not just beautiful images. They're also historic uh, records of, of a time and a place that, that, that really doesn't exist the same way today. So if he hadn't gotten those photographs, um, we might not know a lot of the things we did. So these 15,000 images are are just sitting there waiting to deteriorate and go away. So um, his granddaughter, Allison Goldwater, created the uh, Barry and Peggy Goldwater Foundation, whose sole purpose is to preserve this archive. And so Arizona Highways, Allison and I, you know, knew each other, and we started putting our heads together, and, and we thought, you know, we could work together to to bring this to light, this need to, to preserve this this great history. So that's what her foundation is trying to do. And I'll point out, every other photographer we've ever used from the 30s, 40s, 50s, they're all dealing with the same thing. This is, you know, these are historic records, and all of that film is is at risk of, of going away. And when you say preserved, are we just taking really good scans? Mm-hmm. Or are we trying to preserve the physical print yeah, you're, or both? <laughs> well, in some cases, both. Um, but, but but the majority of what we're trying to do is is you take the film and you digitize it and then you restore the images because over time, and to be clear, Barry mostly shot in black and white. He didn't care for color photography, although he did make some beautiful color images. And, and his his most famous photograph in, in, in Arizona highways was a color image. Yeah, you're, you're digitizing them, scanning them in, and then restoring them. And, and once they're preserved in that way, then... We should be pretty safe. And there's a quote in here by Barry Goldwater talking about how frustrated he gets once the print is done. We forget you used to take a picture and then have to develop it. There was a process time. I remember growing up, we would have still old 35s that Mm -hmm. mom would just find. She's like, huh, I wonder what this is. And we'd get it (laughs) developed with, you know, the recent roll from the last trip. And it was a roll taken a couple years ago that had just gotten lost or dropped or misplaced. Yeah, well, and you keep in mind that these photographers were really remote places, too. So it might take them weeks to get back to Phoenix, for example, to finally develop that film. Well, we'll talk about some of the pictures that we get to see in this month's edition of Arizona Highways and the story behind the picture. There, you know, They say a picture tells a thousand words. Well, the story leading up to the picture mm-hmm. is another story by itself in a lot of these cases, getting to these locations, finding these tribes. This one with the these two girls tending to their sheep herd on a very cold, snowy mm-hmm. morning. I mean, just the stories and the time and the place and what, what was able to capture. It's a perfect thing to do with a belly full of turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Take a picture of this. Take a picture of this. Picking right up where we left off with Robert Steve, editor of Arizona Highway Magazine, which shouldn't even be a job. It should be a volunteer position. <laughs> I've <laughs> well, heard that before. Yes, I, I think I may have heard that from your father, in fact. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. It's, it's wonderful to be a part of uh, such a great uh, piece of Arizona history. We flip forward to page 27. We were, were talking about the picture with the Navajo girls mm-hmm. tending their sheep. Yeah. And picking all these out, you had to research all of these, and the story behind the pictures right. itself really adds so much more to each of these pictures. Yeah, and there are stories behind most of them. You know, Barry was, was very meticulous about keeping his slides in order and his film in order, but he didn't always have a tremendous amount of information on them. And sometimes he would refer to the subject by one name, and then in another reference it'd be a different name, so it was a little confusing. But 
But this particular image that you're talking about on uh, page 27, um, two young Navajo girls um, with, with their sheep up on the Navajo Nation, um, our editor, uh, Raymond Carlson, had, had reached out to, to Barry and said, you know, hey, I'd really like to get a, a photograph for our December issue of some Navajos, you know, out tending sheep in the snow. And, and Barry didn't mince words, you know. He probably went, ah, you know, and he got a little surly and says, that never snows up here and what have you. And <laughs> Barry had a, uh, was co-owner in, in, a, in a lodge up there, a trading post called the Rainbow Lodge. And so he was up there. And uh, woke up the next morning, and there was a bunch of snow on the ground. So, so Barry uh, grabbed his equipment and traipsed down the road and serendipitously ran into these two young girls with their sheep and found that, that magical uh, photograph. And, and, and it's, it's certainly the most famous photograph he ever uh, published and we ever published in our magazine of his. And, and the reason it's so famous is because uh, this was the December 1946 cover that issue of, of Arizona Highways was the first consumer magazine anywhere that was all color from cover to cover. So there were historically magazines, National Geographic might do 16 pages in color, and we had done color sections, but Arizona Highways, we beat Life magazine and Nat Geo and everybody else. And so it was Barry's photograph that was on the cover of the first all-color magazine in, in the business. And this would be more of a question for the Farm Bureau talking about the history of sheep herding in mm -hmm. Arizona. You don't often think of it. We talk about the five C's. Yeah. Sheep isn't in one of those. <laughs> no, but, you know, sheep is the sheep and... and We've got sheep's crossing. We've got sheep's bridge. We, I mean, all of these come from the time that it was a sheep herding state. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of history there, and especially on the Navajo Nation, and it's still a, a huge part of, of their culture up there and their lifestyle. And, um, and and the garments that they're wearing to protect themselves from the snow are? Yeah, they're just uh, blankets, basically. Sheep's wool. <laughs> yeah, sheep's wool. You can see the final product of these sheep that they're herding. Yeah, don't, wouldn't you love to know where those blankets are today? But, um, you know, so so that's a story that has certainly a, a very unique story behind it, that photograph. But, you know, there are other, other shots in here. We've got a, a photograph of Rainbow Bridge, which uh, now you access uh, via Lake Powell. Um, there are trails that, that can take you down there. And Okay, okay, so... The year this was, I never even thought of that looking at this. Mm -hmm. Lake Powell didn't exist. That's correct. Yeah. He didn't boat here. He had to walk here. Yeah, and so the the route to get to, to Rainbow Bridge came from uh, Barry Goldwater's trading post, Rainbow Lodge. And he was out one day, and uh, there was a gentleman out there, and they, he was asking directions on how to get to Rainbow Bridge. And the gentleman turned out to be Ansel Adams, who's arguably the most famous uh, landscape photographer of all time. And, and over the years, uh, Barry Goldwater and Ansel Adams developed a good friendship and had a great mutual respect for each other. And, and I think uh, Ansel, you know, taught him some things about photography. And, and Barry, on, on the other hand, taught him a lot about, you know, how to, how to make photographs up there. And ultimately, the reason Barry Goldwater and a handful of other photographers got such great access was because they respected the people there. Um, and, and, you know, you can't just walk onto the Hopi Nation with a, with a camera or an iPhone and, and start taking pictures. They, it's just not something that's acceptable. And, uh, but Barry had built such a wonderful relationship with, with the people of Arizona and the Native community that 
you know, they, they allowed him to come in there with his camera. So I think he shared some of that insight with uh, Ansel Adams. And I was just looking it up. So Glen Canyon Dam was finished in 63. This is you know, mm-hmm. almost 20 years before Lake Powell even existed. I'm going to have to look up a real-time picture of Lake Powell and compare it to <laughs> Rainbow Bridge because it— uh, yeah, you that know that water level comes up pretty high, if I remember right. Well, you know, depending on how high the water is, depends on how long the hike is up from the lake. But, sure, uh, it's uh, <laughs> but it's either way, it's a short hike compared to coming in from up above and trekking across the desert and and in that the, those rugged conditions up there. But um, you know, and that I think is an interesting point too about the photography. You know, we talked a little bit about it before the break, but. You know, it, when you think about men like uh, Barry Gowater and other photographers, Esther Henderson, and some of these early, you know, landscape photographers, there weren't a lot of roads to get. You know, getting from here to Flagstaff, you had to go up through Wickenburg and go up through Prescott. You know, there was no, no Interstate 17. 17. And, you know, and those roads were rugged. You'd blow out tires and, and what have you. So just getting from point A to point B was was a challenge. The equipment was, you know— far more challenging, especially, you know, trying to get enough light into the cameras to make a beautiful landscape photograph. And so, you know, the work that, that the men and women that, that made these photographs had to go through was, was uh, pretty intense. And the water level, looking at some pictures I just found, probably 25, 30 vertical feet that, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not water right now, it's the white scale that's built up that's left from being covered in water. That was, you know, that was a place that was very special to him. Another, another photograph that we have in the magazine shows a place called Inscription House. If you go up to Navajo National Monument, which is up in the northern part of the state, there are three um, ruins there, Batotican, Keat Seal, and Inscription House. And Inscription House used to drive, literally drive right past it. There was, you can see a little bit of a road, and you would drive past that to get to uh, Rainbow Lodge. The National Park Service eventually had to close Inscription House off to public access because it was just crumbling too much. And you can still go to Keatsil and Batotican. But, you know, to your point, Romy, about how things have changed, this is a site that people used to go visit, and now you can't. So who would we talk to about the restoration of that? They make products (laughs) for concrete and earth products that that help crystallize and harden that would keep— what's left there from crumbling even further. You know, I, I think that's the tryptophan talking <laughs> right now, right? But, um, yeah, right. So and that comes back to the whole purpose of kind of why we're doing this issue is to really preserve this this historic record of, of what Arizona looked like and, and some of the traditions and cultures of the people that, you know, have called Arizona home for a very long time. And a lot of these pictures in December's magazine are of the Navajo Nation, and you had mm-hmm. mentioned he had he was a partner at Trading Post up there. That wasn't an area he was born or grew up. What drew him to Navajo Nation? You know, like so many, uh, I think, explorers, and he really did have an Indiana Jones spirit. And I think, you know, his mother introduced him to, to a lot of Arizona, but he was just a, he was a, you know, like Jimmy Stewart. You know, we're going to start seeing that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? No, and- we're not. <laughs> That's not part of the Romero tradition. Really? Oh, it's a terrific film. Well, yes, uh, the uh, first three hundred times you see it. (laughs) But 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 Barry had a little bit of George Bailey in him, I think, too, and and he just wanted to get out and explore. And and you mentioned in 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 an earlier segment that you know he had flown planes in in the war, and and so he was an avid pilot. So 
because he he had access to to a set of wings, he could actually get up there, and he had a, a airstrip built up at the the lodge, so he could actually fly up there. Um, and in the course of his visits up there, he actually discovered an arch in Grand Canyon that had never been uh, documented before. He eventually went back and and hiked up to it, and and ultimately uh, named it for for the Cole brothers. Um, so, you know, he, he, he was drawn to the northern part of the state like so many people. The Grand Canyon, uh, famous quote, you know, Barry said, if I ever had a mistress, it would be the Grand Canyon. And, um, you know, so he was, he was passionate about all of Arizona, but he, he certainly had a special place in his heart for uh, Hopi, Navajo, and the Grand Canyon. On page 80, there's an incredible picture of Apache land in Gila County. I would love to know this creek crossing and what mm-hmm. that looks like today. You think there's running water there? I'm pretty sure this had to be after a rain season. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that even today, though, that's what a lot of photographers do. They, they see— They're a, just waiting. A, they, yeah, they're waiting <laughs> for clouds to roll in or, or a storm to hit or, you know, that rare snowfall we get down in the Sonoran Desert. And they've all got their cameras— kind of queued up and I suspect Barry was the same way he he was aware of what was happening with the forecast and but that photo is a good example I mean we really didn't know anything about it other than than what he had scribbled on the slide and and that was the name of it but um, even though you don't know all the specifics and all the details there's still some romance in that I think and it lets you just look at the the image and kind of you know go back to a simpler time and and think about life, you know, in Arizona back in the 1930s and 40s. Now, is this just an ignorant bonehead discovery I made today when I on Circa? I asked you, what is this Circa next to all these? Is this a type of photography? Is that it's got a little bit more of an orange tint? So I thought, well, it must not be black and white. It must be the name for this this orange type. Yeah, right. You know, you, and 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 that's a great point. You'll see Circa, C-I-R-C-A, uh, throughout the issue because. It's, it means an approximate date, right? So circa 1950 could be 1946 or 1954. And, and with a lot of these images, we're, we're sort of taking a guess at, at when they were uh, made. And, you know, because we know from his journals where he was at different points in his life. And so we can zero in on that, but um, can't always put an exact date on, on every image. When you look back and, and we're looking over time, and I mean, these are pictures that are dating back 80 years and the amount of people that have come and gone in Arizona and the, the stories that have happened and the developments. When you look back at the Indian ruins, you can see the true craftsmanship that, were the, that was there. When you look at these old pictures of Barry, you can see the skill he had in photography. But the real measurement of how good a photographer was is what other photographers say about his work. Yeah, and that's a good point. We we actually reached out to a lot of our contemporary photographers, and we actually sent them specific images, asking sort of to critique uh, that particular image. And and you know, especially with the black and white photography, is his imagery imagery is really quite timeless. I mean, it's again, they had a lot more challenges with with the technology of cameras back then in terms of getting enough light in, and so you had to sometimes shoot in the middle of the day, which is the worst time of day to shoot. But in order to get enough light in and uh, his his work holds up, that's for sure. And who is Paul Marco? Paul Marco is one of our regular uh, contributors. His father was uh, a long time. He was sort of the photographer in Phoenix in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So Paul's a second generation, uh, very talented photographer that we're privileged to have on our team today. And he's got a very nice dedication to Barry Goldwater's uh, work on page 77, where he just talks about how easy we have it today. Mm-hmm 
how hard it was back then and what he was still able to produce with the limited resources right. and, and technology that we just take for granted. Yeah, you know, digital, you can go take 20,000 images if you want, but uh, back then you couldn't do that. <laughs> Talking with Robert Steve, editor of Arizona Highways, covering December's issue, all about the photography work of the late Senator Barry Goldwater. Thanks so much. I'm trying to record the history of my state so that students 25, 50, 100 years from now can uh, find a picture, say, of Pipe Springs, Arizona. Or if they're interested in Indians, they can look at my photographs of Indians as they were. Uh, that's the whole purpose of it. On page 92 in December's edition, it talks about the foundation, mm -hmm. uh, the preservation of these photographs. You'd mentioned a lot of places you could go see them, U of A, ASU, a couple museums. S there's another exhibit coming. I mean, this magazine edition is great, but if you want to see these in person, you could get over to Spirit of the West Museum coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the next uh, chapter in this, this partnership we have with the uh, – the Barry and Peggy Goldwater Foundation, the uh, Western Spirit. It's it's Scottsdale's Museum of the West on, on Marshall Way in Old Town, and uh, there will be an ex exhibition there, which is going to run from January 6th through June 23rd, and many of the images that are in this issue will be uh, exhibited there, um, along with a lot of uh, Barry Goldwater's artifacts and some of his cameras and some of those things uh, you know, that were personal effects of his. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we like to think that the, the, the pictures in the magazine look beautiful, but, you know, when you blow them up to, you know, 40 by 60 or whatever they'll be at the at the museum, they're going to look even better down there. So who takes pictures of Barry then? <laughs> this <laughs> you know, picture with him and his horse is a 50-year-old selfie I'm looking at? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times, you know, they, they had long, you know, remote controls that they could, you know, use to make photographs. You point out one of the challenges we had. We don't really know who made that shot of, of Barry Goldwater and some of these old shots of him. You know, we have a shot in the magazine where he was up on Mount Lemon and he looks like he's about 14 years old. And, you know, our, our best guess, it was probably one of his brothers, you know, that you know, his brother that made that photograph. But, you know, it's, it's hard to say on some of those things. So would you say circa one of his brothers? <laughs> Circa, a Goldwater yeah. brother. Yeah, his uh, it was his brother Bob Circa or his sister maybe. Very but, good, uh, very good. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot lot to, to be seen out there, and and the foundation uh, you know has has intends to eventually get all these images digitized and create a virtual library that will be accessible to kids in schools around the state and and actually around the world, and you know so it's it's not just preserving them because the family wants to to feel good about this project. It's really to make this archive available to students all over the world. And in addition to December's edition, y'all have a lot of great books, a lot of great uh, calendars, uh, koozies. Arizona Highways is a great place to do a little bit of Christmas shopping. Well, we like to think so, yeah. And we have some, some wonderful new books that are just coming out. We've got a new book about the centennial of Grand Canyon National Park, Park's turning 100 in February. We've got a beautiful new book about that. We also have a, a book, uh, unlike anything we've ever done before, it's a book of all of our December covers dating back to the 1930s. So it's it's a really cool trip back in time, and you can flip through these these pages and sort of look at how our December cover has looked over the, the many decades. And, yeah, lots of, of other, you know, products, we, you know, diner mugs and calendars and all kinds of stuff. 
We do have a white Christmas in some places in Arizona. Occasionally it does happen. That's right. Whether it's Mother Nature or man-made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's not focus too hard on the details here. White is white. <laughs> and one of the years, uh, I don't know, this goes back probably seven or eight years ago, Next weekend, first weekend in December, Courthouse Lighting in Prescott, Arizona's Christmas City. It'll be their, actually their 64th annual Courthouse Lighting right there in Courthouse Square. It'll be the 38th uh, time it's been complimented by a Christmas parade. There was a time, it was seven or eight years ago, in that parade was done under snow. And then that night at the Courthouse Mm -hmm. Lighting, there was a, a half inch of snow on the ground that we got to roll in and make snow angels. And that's always the first Saturday in December, so it'll be December 1st, next Saturday. The parade begins about 1 o'clock. The lighting is at 6 o'clock, and our get, our winner of our Arizona staycation will be staying at the Spring Hill Suites. It's just about a block away, maybe a block and a half. You'll get to walk right into downtown at 6 o'clock. They, you, you've been, I'm sure, Oh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful um, experience. You know, any, any, any excuse to hit the road is a good excuse, but that's a special day, and... You know, all the folks in Prescott are privileged to have that beautiful square up there. And not that it takes you anything away from Arizona, but it makes you so much of Christmas is snow, mm-hmm. uh, building yeah. houses that aren't built here in Arizona. Yeah, the Victorian <laughs> homes up there. Yeah, it's kind of, it gives that sort of the Charles Dickens feel of, it, of the Thank holidays. you. That's what I was looking for. The, yeah. the Charles Dickens feel can be found in Arizona and Prescott. One of the most centrally located towns, I mean, from just about anywhere, it's, it isn't more than three hours. No, and one time was, you know, the territorial capital of the state, so there's a lot of history up there and, you know, and a lot of great restaurants and, and you know, places to stay and, and things to do up there and some great shops as well. So uh, a lot of reasons to hit, hit the road and head to Prescott. Hit to Prescott and make sure you take your Arizona Highways magazine with you. If you're a passenger, it'll give you plenty of time to just scroll through. This, this December's edition feels thick. Yeah, it's a double issue for us. So we, uh, you know, and, and the truth is we could have, you know, quadrupled it. it or tripled <laughs> it at least and still not put in all the images that we wanted. But uh, but we're proud of this issue and we appreciate you letting us talk about it. And in the issue, there's a subscription for $24 for 12 issues. So you can get 2019's, uh, sign up for 2019 for two bucks an issue. Yeah, we think that's a good deal, too. We, uh, you know, we've been around since 1925 and still haven't run out of things to talk about in Arizona. So we'll, we'll give you another year coming up. <laughs> and that's the something that always amazes me is I think, okay, what else could we cover? We've been subscribing to Arizona Highways for years. What's next? But every edition, you've got something there for us. Well, we're going to put turducken in there next November. <laughs> I'll tell you that with crawfish. Arizona, we got to put something Arizona in it, though. We've got turkey, Havilina. duck, javelina. There we go. A turducken with javelina stuffing. Boy, we'll work on that. I'll, I'll try that. Sounds bad. <laughs> hey, you got to try it once. 